0: dead of night when you're all alone visions of terror run wild only tonight they will be real because all the legends of darkness are coming out of the closet in dead time stories insanely wicked nightmare haunted by bizarre creatures carving their way through a maniacal fable oozing with evil magic from the door to your most secret fears all the way to grandma's house horror is back in style i'm gonna make this very painful it's time to say your prayers, because all your nightmares come to life in dead time Stories.
1: Hello folks, welcome to another one of those Cinema Beef quarantine specials, uh, a review if you will. Uh, with me tonight for for this is Mr. Cameron Scott, how you doing sir? I'm doing great, how you all doing? Fine, 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 and uh, she watched the movie, so she's here with us as well. Suzanne, how are you?
2: Okay, it is day five of shelter at home. Um, I, I didn't ask my you, cats I... really, my cats seem to want to push me down the stairs, but my dog seems happy.
1: <laughs> what are you doing in my personal space? <laughs> you, you go away eventually. I swear you do. You know. Um. Yeah, tonight we're, we're going to talk about a. Uh, I think an, an underrated anthology film. I mean, I think it was pretty dumb to me as a child. I I, I enjoy the, the, the wit of it now for some reason. And that's uh, the 1986 Dead Time Stories. There was other ones that George Romero produced or something that are not very good. I think this one is very decent. Streaming on Amazon Prime right now, I think it's the Scream Factory um, print of it, so it looks really fine. Uh, your plot synopsis is this? It's from 1986, by the way. I'm sorry. A babysitting uncle tells his his charge his charges. He only has one charge. IMDb yeah. one young boy who's kind of an asshole. Three horror stories about a w- killer witch, Little Red Riding Hood, and a werewolf, and Goldilocks, G-O-L-D-I-L-O-X, and the three beer, three bears. Um. Yeah, this film stars uh, Scott Valentine. Who you may know is, um, oh, what's... Nick. Yeah, Nick from Family Ties, yes. Um, and some other... Melissa Leo shows up in this movie, Academy Award winner Melissa Leo, who's been tons of stuff. Oh, her. Yeah. Yeah. Some other names of um mention is the one plays Goldilocks. Catherine DeProom has been tons of stuff. Uh, long list of credits, including Shameless and, um, a lot of TV stuff, but, you know, you wouldn't guess it from her, her role as, a telekinetic, we'll get into it, uh, Goldilocks in this movie. Uh, she was in an episode of Coach. Nice. Wow. Northern, Northern Exposure, I miss that show for some reason. Um, this was directed by Jeffrey Delman, who, um... Did a lot of miscellaneous crew stuff, but didn't do a whole lot of like writing and or and or directing, you know. But um, he wrote "Stuck on You" from '82, which is a very early trauma film, one of their original sex comedies. um... I think that the squeeze play came out around the same time. That's probably like his biggest writing credit that I can see that I that folks would recognize. But um, like I said, this has this has three stories. It starts out with, with the wraparound with the uncle who's hanging out with his nephew. All he wants to do is watch the Miss Nude Pageant on, on what do you say, SpectraVision or some shit like that, you know? Uncle Mike and the asshole, Little Brian, and, um, Little Brian, of course, claims he hears monsters underneath his bed. And Uncle Mike has to tell him a story, this little demanding little fuck, so he has to make up his own stories. And the first <laughs> of which is, uh... Um, this this story about the, this killer witch and, and and their young ward who um intends to go collect the girls so they can resurrect their 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 dead sister and um I'm gonna kick it to Suzanne first, ask her what she thought of the wraparound in, in, in general and the first story.
2: You know, I have to admit, I think that the wraparound is the best part of the movie. It's. It's funny. I like a little. Uh, what the hell is that marionette thing that's kind of hanging by the closet? Yeah,
1: the pays on, pays first off story.
2: Later. <laughs> oh, it does. Yeah. Um. I the first story is is probably maybe the the most thought out of the three. And I was really hoping because I I think I either a went to the theater to see this when it came out yes, I'm that old. Or it was something that I rented immediately because I've always had a thing for anthology movies. But yeah, it was kind of... My only big disappointment... Scott Valentine is in this and Like I said, he was really, really... His career was on fire for about, oh, six months with, <laughs> you know, with Family Ties. Well. He just kind of did a few things and just kind of up and vanished. But yeah, this the first one... The first story actually has some pretty pretty decent gore in it. I was a little surprised going back on it. It was just there were a few uh kind of ew, that's kind of nasty moments in this. The witches were hilarious. They just they, they just remind me of these just old bumbling ladies and he's just kind of the this this guy they got hanging around to do their bit their bidding. Yeah, it's like the first one like I said. I think it's the strongest. It's not my favorite, but I think it's the I think the most thought out part of the three stories.
3: Cameron, uh I got to agree with uh, Suzanne. It's it's the best constructed story. It's the it's the best written story. And, and again, that's not my favorite of the three. We'll get into my favorite later. But um you know, with the wraparound and whatnot, that kid. All I kept thinking was this kid can't die soon enough. <laughs> that's <was> a horrible <laughs> thing. But I'm just like, Oh, this whining kid. That's why I'm going. that's why some people aren't fit to be parents, I guess. But you know, this like weasling little kid, you know, getting Uncle Mike to read No, oh, no, that story. That story's not a good one. You know, read me a a, a real story, one you make up. But uh The the witch segment, though, I really like it. I mean, you know, by process of elimination, one has got to be your least favorite, you know, in an anthology film. But I seriously don't remember seeing this when I was younger. I know I did, but it was one of those I must have just seen it once and then it just kind of went under the rug for a few years because, I mean, I remember bits and pieces. I didn't remember this segment. So it was almost like seeing it again for the first time. So when the, like the revelation, when, you know, Scott Valentine takes the, the old man to the, to the women. And then there's that revelation that, Oh no, they're these nasty looking witches. that look like they came from Rob zombies, Lords of Salem or something
0: like that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, So it, it, it's, and it is exceptionally gory. I was really like surprised with how gory it got. It had a kind of uh Hellraiser Frank transformation kind of sequence going on there towards the end of it, you know that uh, was actually really good. It just it is the days it makes me long for old school, you know, practical effects. But uh, yeah, that's what I took away from it.
1: Uh, one thing I got to bring up is we're going to talk about the makeup effects of this film because for a shitty little anthology film, which I don't even know what the budget was for, I had to be ne- next to nothing. Um, this uh, guy Ed French who did the makeup effects. Um, worked on a lot of pretty heavy hitters eh? Medieval 2, Sleepaway Camp Exterminator 2 Chud, The Stuff uh, Necropolis Breeders, what else Creepshow 2, uh, Blood Rage Vampire's Kiss, he worked on a whole bunch of stuff throughout the 80's and the 90's Uh, what else, Terminator 2 Star Trek 6 Hellraiser Bloodline, so there's your your Hellraiser connection um (laughs) Oh, ah, all the way up to like he worked on preacher the TV show in 2018. So he worked a long time on some pretty some pretty decent projects. So um I, I like the silliness of this one too. Um the the the, the witches are very funny like he said. The the plot is is not as thin as the other stories. We're still pretty thin. Basically you got this young ward who you know you know once he uh, kidnaps the the, the buxom. She makes a joke that she may be Snow White in, in this in this thing. And the kid, kid that brings her to the witches He's going to free her and, you know, get with her. But what she before that is the witches resurrecting the sister. And like Cameron said, it reminds you so much of Hellraiser because you would expect this out of the movie, you know, once the heart starts beating and it forms and that looks really gross. And then she starts forming it out, of the, out of the skeleton and that's really gross looking but really, really great looking for for a film of this caliber. You know, almost like these effects don't belong in this movie, but it looks it looks really good. I gotta say it looks really good. And um what I, my favorite part of the whole thing is the very end where the kid is dissatisfied with the story. So that the, the uncle changes changes the end to where the witch still lives and he's just choking these people wildly and I can't stop laughing. Oh,
3: I know that, like, it's like getting an alternative ending.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's like, I'll take it Man, oh, man. But fun stuff. But, you know, our our second story is essentially a take on Little Red Riding Hood, where you got, uh, you got the buxom, I forget the girl's name now, give me a moment. Rachel. We have Rachel, who's this, uh, raven-haired young lady who's gonna go for a jog and go collect her, uh, grandmother's medicine for from the from the pharmacy but she gets it mixed up with this guy Willie she gets his medicine which is a sedative and uh grandma's medicine I don't know why you get Melox from a pharmacist for. I couldn't tell you. But it's fucking weird. But um anyway. Willie's a werewolf and it's gonna be a full moon. So he needs his sedatives to go to sleep, apparently. Like that's gonna work. This never worked in any fucking werewolf movie ever. But um you you're welcome. But um after um, a, a, a a day uh, of uh, getting getting rubbed on in a on a fucking air mattress, she, she goes home to find that grandma has has been dealing with this werewolf, and um, yeah, Willie has gone full blown werewolf. And again, I like I like the makeup effects of the werewolf. Really simple. The claws look good. But I a a Cameron first, I think it's Suzanne last time. Cameron, uh, what'd you think of the second story of the Riding Hood?
3: It 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 just there's such a a tonal shift from the first segment to the second segment. There's the whole sequence. uh, Gosh, it's hard to even explain. You got the whole sequence where the girl is basically masturbating while looking in the mirror and and fantasizing, seeing this this guy in in the mirror that's not really there, while right next to it, Mel Gibson is staring you in the face from the Beyond Thunderdome poster that's in the wall, so it's like, I'm just like, this is like all I could think of, I'm like, she's, I I just didn't get it. (laughs) And then, all of a sudden, you know, she gets kind of snapped to attention and brought out of her trance, and the dog is licking her ass. Yes. You know, get the elephant out of out the room here but like did anybody else feel a little uncomfortable by this i mean by a little i mean a lot
0: well
1: oh yeah uh, yeah because she said yeah. she's having a fantasy about the sex she's gonna have later but you know the dog's in the room licking her ass like like he's licking some fucking peanut butter or something oh. and she, was, she was a little too into it like, maybe the dog was tugging at her undies or something. I <laughs> know. I just kept looking in
3: the background for, like, a, you know, an empty jar of gifts in there somewhere. But, they The getting past that part, it, it you know, the, 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 the boyfriend, this has to be the guy. He gets the award for the least amount of game in the world. Man. Like,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he still gets some. How? How? I mean, like, I just don't get it. (laughs) Homegirl, homegirl is dumb and apparently very, you know, that I don't even know the word here to find because basically he's supposed to represent the woodsman. Okay. And she she follows Ah. him into the woods because he's got candles and what he calls an air mattress, which is an air mattress. It's a goddamn (laughs) fucking pool floaty. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah.
3: He's got candles, a shed in the middle of nowhere that he has to break into and, you know, the, the candles and whatnot. It's like, this, this guy is just apparently the, the, the only game in town.
1: But, hey, his, uh, his, his puppy jacket game is strong, man, is all I'm we'll say about that, you know.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, it's very... It's, it's, it's the most awkward of the three. And I think, you know, I, I love the, the werewolf s- sequences, actually, and that's uh, actually a big thing for me because i as as a rule don't usually like werewolf films i'm just usually not a fan i'm usually not impressed by it but i i appreciated the awkwardness and, and the weirdness of this segment i kind of wanted to see like a a, a a feature film with the idea but that's the one thing i walk away from a lot of anthologies i want to see like bigger versions of these smaller stories but that being said uh The ending was great. I saw it coming a mile away. (laughs) Because I'm just like, this is what I would do. And I'm like, yep, that's what they did. And uh, I love the music. I love the the music is goofy and like not something that you would normally listen to. But like for this kind of film, it's fucking great. Like the offbeat songs are just crazy. They're killer. I love
1: them. Yeah, I wish I had a few of myself. And I want to look up some of these tracks maybe. I can't really tell if the music was done by one person, because he says music by Taj. I don't know how Taj is, and if he's done all the all the song songs in the movie too, I couldn't tell you, but uh, it's worth looking up, I think. Because I, yeah. I, I, I didn't mention the opening song, but it's, it's, it's not great, but, you know, it's kind of like if Lamal wrote a song for a horror anthology, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if you kids don't know who Lamal is, he's the guy that sings the never-ending story song, okay, you know?
2: And he was with that band, Kajagoogoo, from the early 80s.
1: Oh, yeah. See, Suzanne's bringing, bringing the music knowledge, see? Apparently I know she, my 80s shit. Apparently she's not too shy-shy. You know, okay, you go. <laughs> Suzanne, what about you and this, this tawdry little, possibly bestiality thrown into her werewolf tale?
2: This is just a really uncomfortable little segment for... Hopefully everybody, because uh, Cameron brought up the dog. Because I, when they showed the dog licking her, and like, I haven't seen this since I watched it the first time, which was back in the eighties, and I forgot how really uncomfortable that was. And you know, I think my my favorite little sub character in this one is the pharmacist because he is as sleazy as it could possibly have
3: gotten. Oh, yeah. Got
2: that slicked back hair, that, you know, push-through mustache. Ain't got nothing on Ron Swanson, though, no but, you know, so we have the same little concept going, a little bit more on the Freddie Mercury side. And this dumb shit messes up the prescriptions. Oh, my God. How stupid can you be? And, yeah, let's talk about that dude that she was meeting up with. Okay, it was the '80s, you know, puffy coats and apparently just being a, a an asshole with blonde hair. That was your standard.
1: This is what all guys achieved. Don't forget the eight year old hair, eight year old haircut. Okay.
2: It was the '80s. Shit like that just flew. I don't know. And, you know, I will say I do like werewolves. And I agree with Cameron. The werewolf sequences were really good. I I preferred... That was a really decent-looking werewolf. Oh, but yeah. they just went so overboard with the cheesiness in this one. I mean, he, this dude was, like, pulling puns out of his ass. <laughs> and blowing up that, that mattress, or the pool-floating...
3: Actuality. I had to pause it. I had to pause it and be like, "Homeboy's really gonna blow up this pool floaty."
2: Well, he was full of a whole lot of hot air.
1: (laughs) You get get two scenes of him finishing blowing up this pool floaty. Like, yeah, it's almost there, honey. It's almost time for love. You know.
2: Yeah, but this one, like I said, this is the one I. I don't know. This one is just. It's awkward. I agree, complete with with Cameron. It is awkward and a little uncomfortable at times. <laughs> but they, they it starts like said, out they...
3: uncomfortable. It starts out with the the dad, you know, describing this eighteen year old girl and how buxom she is to the to the boy, and the boy's like, "That's not how mom tells the story." Like that's <laughs> <I know>. us.
1: <laughs> he's just. I, that's it's, I, it's, what you're in for. He's getting more and more drunk throughout the nights, or so you know, because he wants to watch these titties on TV. So. He's gotta kinda shut of himself on while telling his bedtime story just to get his rocks off a little bit.
2: Yeah, I actually felt bad for the uncle in the wraparound because I'm like, I seriously, fuck that kid.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you know, I hope there's a monster under your bed, you little bastard.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know, and I wish it would eat you so I could finish watching this nude nude beach, whatever. <laughs> This was, it's, this was like I said, it's awkward. It's, it's hilarious. This is like the straight up, just, it's not even black humor. It's just kind of slapsticky comedy. It's fun though. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I really got to say it. The very last sentence in the segment. Oh my grandma. What big teeth you have.
1: Oh, I love the twist. <laughs> I love the twist on that. It's, it's so stupid, oh. but it works. I just laughed my ass off. Great. grandma got a neck wound is all I'm gonna say about that one, okay? And something hilarious happens. And talk about the world's most
3: unflattering like freeze frame on that poor actress. <laughs> it's like, ooh, thumb in the ass. That's what that's what that looks like.
0: That's
1: yes. what that looks like. <laughs> it's it's time for your my grandma. Whoa! Cool. Yeah. <laughs> What oh, a big bra
3: I... you have, Grandma!
1: <laughs> oh, I heard that one. <laughs> ta dum thump! I'm here all night. Yes, indeed. No, it's fun. The the werewolf effects were great. I mean, it's, it's quirky as shit, which is what I love about this movie. That it's not something to be taken as high class cinema, but just something to turn on and and to be to laugh at. Kind of like uh, we did that trick or treats movie on on NFW, and it's not. A great a great film like that, but it has you know elements that are just stupid and silly, and this movie is is, is got a lot of those elements too. And um, I like I like to move on to the, the last segment now, just to I was think this over with because I think this uh, this segment is wacky and wonderful. This is the you can probably hear the major purring into the microphone right now, by the way, because she's hanging on the desk being an asshole like cats do. Um. But <laughs> um yeah, this is the Goldilocks and the Three Bears episode, and in uh, basically, this follows the the bear family. Their last name is Bear, and uh, the two two of them, uh, baby bear and Papa Bear, are, are at a mental institute. Very loosely running around the the, the grounds like in Halloween and shit. And uh, Mama Bear comes to rescue them, Mama Fratelli style, like in the Goonies, to take up, collect them, and of course, they to go look for the the that uh, house that they apparently abandoned, or, or gonna squat in, I can't really tell if it's their house or not, but they pull all the, all the gags of, you know, say so just see just in my bed, say so I'm sleeping in my bed, well, the someone is Goldilocks, which is a girl who, who who's a mass murderer, and this is the hilarious part about this, like, you know, like, every horror film, you have that scene, where, you know, all the bodies are collected, well, she's collected a whole bunch of people that she killed in this house, and just hangs out and talks to them, And she has telekinetic powers. But, uh, (laughs) Suzanne, what do you think about this episode?
2: This is my favorite segment of all of them. And this one, I've watched Melissa Leo in a lot of amazing roles. You know, particularly Homicide, which is one of my favorite shows. But I barely even recognize her. But she is just hilarious in this. And Good old Goldilocks, like oh, you guys only think of one thing. Is the guy is like, you know, kind of hanging in the air with his face dragging on the ground with a stake through him. Just kind of going along behind him.
1: It's, for me, it's like the she's lifting him up with her with her mind. This is the fucking oh I This shit, you know.
2: Oh no, that's what I meant. It was he's just uh, dangling behind her, and that's what it like for me. It's just like there's it's the little things in this a particular segment that I just absolutely love. So basically she falls in love with Baby Bear and she's like, I didn't know it could be this good. And, you know, the earthquakes going on and thunder and screaming and it's just pretty damn spectacular. But for me, it's basically, I'm only going to talk about this one little scene just because I think it's hilarious. When the four of them are sitting in the diner and the waitress is being, like, straight-up bitch to her. And uh, you just kind of hear the, ow, and a bunch of stuff hitting the ground. That's when I had to pause and just laugh to myself for a couple of minutes. But, yeah, I just, I, this is, this is the most fun of the three. It really, it, I laugh at it. And once again, it's what the, the effects are good. It's it's fun. There's not a lot of effects, but it's still it's it's the it's the most fun. It's the one I really look forward to seeing again.
1: Cool. Cameron You know, uh
3: once again I agree with Suzanne. Uh it's the most fun segment. It's my favorite segment. I mean it opens up with that whole sequence with uh Goldilocks levitating that guy and I Again, like, it was like watching it for the first time because I didn't remember that part at all. And I was like, what the fuck are we in for here? Uh, it's crazy. It's craziness. It's goofy fun. It's goofier in hell. I mean, like, when, when the, I, 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 again, there was another segment where I had to pause and I was pretty positive. And then I looked up on IMDb and con- had to nerdily uh, confirm it. The mama bear is holding a damn, um, Star Wars uh, stormtrooper rifle <laughs> when when they uh, find Goldilocks in their in their bathroom and I was just like really I'm like I'm pretty sure Lucas would be really in, uh, uh, interested in seeing that he <laughs> would not get away with that today but uh, <laughs> Goldilocks man she's uh, she's a a, a, a bad girl is it, not what I was expecting not at all. Uh, again it was just it was all around fun i mean i love how they turned around the whole uh, you know i guess you could say modernize or whatever uh, the whole you know goldilocks and the three bears it was it, it was really good it saved the whole film for me cuz i you know for as far as the segment go- goes saving the best segment for last may not have been their best but i don't know marketing strategy but uh i loved it uh, it was the that that segment alone was a ten out of
1: ten. Yeah, yeah, I love uh, you know basically you know they they took these people who were not really hardened criminals, they were just kind of put away, and you know they run into something that's much far worse than themselves. I love stories like that, like Tables of Churn, because they found something obviously more powerful than they are, which is this fucking blonde girl who <laughs> he. <laughs> who has telekinesis and psychotic you know why did threw telekinesis in this thing i don't know but i'm so glad they did because it made it this kind of funny and uh the soundtrack was great and you mentioned the soundtrack and other stuff this had some fun little wacky tracks in it too and um i i, I have to commend the filmmaker for for doing what he did with this segment because it's it's kind of like um it, it kind of left left you out with with, with the tickling your funny bone, until T got to the, to the end of the wraparound, which is uh, much more dark <laughs> than you know than this whole segment is. But the scenes where she used her telekinesis, one of which is hilarious, where the the the, um, the newscaster accuses her of not of possibly being tele- 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 telekinetic, is she fucking. Knocks him on his ass or something while he's in the newsroom. <laughs> she makes the waitress choke on her gum. It's like, so I guess this is on me or something she says, and of course they, they ride off into the sunset that the 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 bears and, and Goldilocks that I guess to go on a fucking crime spree, which I'd love to see a second part of this, which I know will never happen, but you know, goddamn entertaining, man.
3: <laughs> it's lost opportunity to have not show that.
1: Yes, I want yeah. to see the I want to see the crime spree of one Goldie Locks and and the three bears, you know, just her fucking fucking the dumb the, the dumb baby bear, you know, until those loins fall off or something, and you know, if that's possible, because <laughs> she she obviously found herself a dumb one, and she was all for that, and I, I love that, and uh, um, wraparound though, he's finally done telling the stories, he's ready to go to sleep. Fucking Uncle Mike's ready to nut with this fucking Miss Nude Pageant because you know that's all he had to nut to that night. He was waiting for that payoff all night, but little little Billy was uh, being a fucking asshole with these stories. Little Billy sees something real, which uh, that the puppet they keep going to through this thing turns into a pretty incredible looking um, clay puppet. I don't even know what it was made of, like like latex and rubber. It was a pretty good looking puppet. But a very mo- a, re- a very real monster is in his room now, and you have to assume, with a blood curling voice, that Billy is dead. <laughs> Uncle Mike is like, "Fuck it, I think this is the line that he or screw it, or something." Yeah, but, this um, is a- I'm sorry. What did you say? I'm sorry.
3: Oh, a, yeah, I think he. Uh, no, no, no. I was just uh, agreeing with you. I think he does just say screw it. And kind of shrug,
0: He's...
1: He's uh he's right in a nut and uh he doesn't give a shit what Billy thinks and uh that's that's the end of your movie. Frame freeze frame on, on Uncle Mike. And um I had I had a goddamn good time with this movie. And I'm gonna kick it to Suzanne. Any final thoughts on this uh weird little anthology? What would you give a one to ten?
2: Oh, it's it's just fun. I mean it's not anything super spectacular, but you know what? it's 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 not 90 minutes i'm going to want back i still liked it like i said i hadn't seen it since it first came out and one thing i was really surprised about is that you know there's a couple of anthologies i saw just really you know just, just some of the ones from the mid 80s and late 80s that they usually have like one star in it and in, in this case it was scott valentine but they'd be in every segment Yeah, and I'm. I was really surprised that he wasn't in every segment, and now I can kind of see why, because it just he he really is just kind of a a, was a one note kind of actor. It's kind of a little bit on the duh side. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) by, by
3: By a little, you mean a lot?
2: Yeah, I do. (laughs) <laughs> but it's it's not a terrible movie it, if you watch it for anything watch for some of these like great physical effects because that was the one thing that even there was a few times where my attention was slipping but you know the, the practical effects always brought me back into it and you gotta stay for Goldilocks
1: and the yes. three bears I wanted more that's, that's my only regret you yeah. know I know.
2: I really wish that they had found a way to extend that because that was that was the best of the three. But yeah, it's I'm probably gonna give it about a six. Well worth a watch. You know, and if you get a chance to watch it, go for it. It's not something you spend a lot of money on.
1: Cool. Cameron.
3: Um you know, I went into this almost kind of blind to having not remembered, like I said, uh, not rem- remembering seeing it. And I'm, I was glad to revisit it again. Uh, I'll agree with Suzanne with the, uh, the idea that, you know, it's not 90 minutes. I, I want back. I, I'm good with not having to see it again anytime soon, but it was fun. A lot of anthologies, I think, take themselves a bit too serious and trying to tell the story. And this one had a lot of fun with it. And I, I really want the soundtrack. I want to find the soundtrack. I actually, I'm probably going to win the show's over. <laughs> uh, I'm going to search it out on YouTube, see if I can, or somewhere and see if I can find a, a couple of the tracks. Cause I, I think more movies need to have an opening credit sequence like this movie had too. the kind of animated that stop motion animation to the hand was turning page. That was really neat. That was something I wanted to touch base on. I thought that was really cool. And the opening credit song, as goofy as it was, was really fun. And, um, but, uh, third segment was my favorite. Uh, I would probably have to give it the same rating. I think I'd give it a six.
1: Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that six. You know, it was, um, it was goddamn enjoyable. I, I can't say it's like, it's, it's as good as like Creep Show or anything, but it, it's, it's good in other ways. Like, like we all said that the practicals are are, are surprisingly great. I mean mm-hmm. you, you watch them and you, you wouldn't expect out of a film like this. And um, yeah, it's it, it's fun, man. I I, I really loved it. And I'll give it a six as well. And uh a six that I can. Re- it sounds weird. A six that I can recommend because I can't recommend you guys to watch something. Out you you it's on, it's on Prime, like we said. And um, it's it's something dumb that you can just turn on and you know just just get lost in it because it's it's so absurd in parts and that's 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 a big part of its charm is that it's so absurd in parts you know
3: that is its, its charm and, and that's what saves it
1: yeah
0: um
1: so dead time story i'm glad it, oh, sorry yeah
2: i i was just gonna add it just i'm glad it didn't take itself too seriously
1: no it never else, did I, I,
2: I know i and if it did i can't even imagine what kind of a train wreck this would have been
1: Yeah, that's Dead Time Stories from 1986, though. Our next uh, quarantine review is um, today, (laughs) of all days, people, during this time of of quarantine. We lost uh, one of our beloved masters of horror, uh, Chicagoan and Lovecraft enthusiast, uh, Stuart Gordon. So we're not going to do a tribute show or anything right now, but we're going to do a review of one of his films that I think is underseen and pretty great. Which is uh, Edmund from 2005, which features a great performance by William H. Macy and a script by David Mamet. And I don't know if it's gonna be on that one, but we'll see who shows up and um, we'll do that next. But always remember the Sydney podcast. if you got beef, we've got the grinder. See you next time.